Welcome to the Science of Branding, a podcast about brands and how they work. We're going to discuss everything brand, design, technology, and what it takes to be successful. Uh, we're going to have discussions with industry leaders, case studies, head-to-head brand comparison, a whole lot of stuff coming your way. This is Thomas Berasen. And I'm Sher Russ, and we're both innovation designers, entrepreneurs, and professors. We have also helped shape designs at a dozen Fortune 100 firms. But most importantly, we have failed more times than we can remember. On this podcast, we'll hear personal stories from some of the world's top innovators and entrepreneurs. You will gain insights on how to create a powerful brand, thrive in a business environment, and turn your creative ideas into tangible reality. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Let's get to it. Well... I mean, we're going to interview you first. Why? Because this is our first show, and it's also your birthday at the oh, same time. Oh, man. So it seems like a great day getting for old, us to get getting into old, Getting but old. This is a great year, I oh, think. My God. I'm super excited. So man. much got going so on. Great it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so birthday, and you've been designing almost half your life now. Think about this. Reflect back on Woo! I mean, we've well, been playing with that. Legos for since. For yeah, I guess kids, I guess most kids have been designing. That, that, that's true. Like when I st- first started getting into design, probably when I was like twelve or something like that, creating a T-shirt company. All yeah. right, tell me, tell me about show twelve-year-old show living in Japan at the time, if I believe. Oh, I just actually right? I just moved to the U.S. You just moved back to so the U.S. So I was okay. like a little bit of a loner, which is like a good place for a creative to be mm-hmm. to like be productive. <laughs> and then I was also like I was was seeing a lot of like the Steve Jobs videos, you know, the iPod and stuff like that was mm-hmm. coming out. Um, oh, that was but, the time where he was doing the big big presentations. Yeah, but it was still like it was still really early. Like it was still like early click wheel and stuff mm. like that. People weren't into it that much. Like all my friends were like, why are you getting that? Okay. The, the Zoom was out, you know, there was the like Zoom. a big battle and yes. stuff like that. But essentially, like, I really wanted a Mac. And then, but those things were really, really expensive, mm. right? So how do you make money as a kid? You make some t-shirts and you start selling them. You make some t-shirts. <laughs> was that like your first step into entrepreneurship? Yeah. 12 year old show making oh, t-shirts? Oh, for sure. And then like, I honestly like this is also a time where like threadless and stuff like that, where like you had those like online design competitions mm-hmm. for, like t-shirts and people were making cash for designs and stuff like that. Um, so I was trying some of that stuff out. Eventually created a series of designs, um, took it to the Japanese festival, man. And it sold really well. It was really, it was really cool. It was a good experience. Like I kind of gives you the see, bug like, a little bit. You were like, oh my God. Yeah, this is you awesome. create a little bit of value. You I know? can design, yeah. I can basically make art and sell it for money at a young age and yeah. like being able to do something with it. And people are like is... super excited about it too. Like you got, you kind of. <laughs> what kind of t shirts were you making? Um, so there, it was, and it's, essentially I found like a niche within like Japanese festivals. And then, um, so I teamed up with the Japanese woman. Society. Did you know what a niche was when you were twelve year old? A niche, probably not, right? Yeah, a niche market. Like you were like, not, oh. yeah, that's true. I didn't really know. I wonder what I was thinking. Um, you had some kind of instinct that was like, I need to make yeah. this. I, I think I had to like give it up to my dad too. Like he 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 doesn't necessarily like, do t shirt designs and stuff like that. But I like I was exposed to the Japanese festival world. He's a creative and, so, and entrepreneur, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Which which and then I think sure. I might be wrong about this, but like when he was like thirty years old or something like that, around my age, I think he did create like a bunch of designs for the same festival. Interesting. Yeah. I should Hello. double like someone should fact check me on that one. But <laughs> essentially like so those kind of parallels and me kind of following that yeah. path and making a little bit of extra cash. But I got that computer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you more. get the computer. Did that open up the yeah. world? So like well, how do you go from 
you know, selling T-shirts. And mm. is that what made you fall in love with like design? Did you understand what design was at a time? What was that like first transition yeah. to the real design world? For sure, well, it was like an exciting time where like new apps were coming out left and right. Like um, Steve Jobs was like starting to announce like the iPhone one and stuff like that, and you're just starting to see like it really felt like magic back then to a certain degree. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I just wasn't sure like how. And then at the time, like I didn't really differentiate like art and design too, though. Yeah. Like it was all kind of like oh, making like really beautiful, cool things. Even today, I don't think most people can differentiate yeah, what art and design yeah. are, except for designers and artists. But we'll get into that in this show, I think. Yeah, 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 for sure, man, for sure. And then even today, like I, I kind of think of our software as like art. I don't know. But, yeah, I guess, I guess any anything you make with your hands and with your effort and with your sweat and tears yeah. is some kind of art. It's an extension of who you are, and so in some way, it's art. Um, so design. Okay, so l- l- let's keep going with this idea of like designs and brands. So you created your first brand mm-hmm. basically when you were twelve, and then yeah. you evolved into becoming an award-winning brand designers and worked with a lot of huge companies and consultancies um, yeah. out there. So, so what happened after you came back from the U.S. at that age? You, we both ended up attending the same alma matter for uh, sure, in for California sure. so how, what yeah. was that transition like what, what made you want to go as a graphic designer or brand designer oh well, f- well first um, before Art Center I was at Interlochen which Interlochen, is kind of yeah. like a boarding school or it is a boarding school that fo- focuses on art essentially mm-hmm. but I got to like I got like five or six hours of art a day wow. so I was like really creating some really good stuff at a high school age yeah yeah at yeah, high school age uh, so it's like a huge advantage mm-hmm. I really like for appreciate sure. how blessed I am but I, I got a full ride there, and I just really took full advantage of it. It mm. was, it was awesome. And you were surrounded yeah. by like musicians, and not mm. just like f- artists as we know, and like yeah. painters and and people yeah. that draw and stuff. You were surrounded by musicians, and so did For you sure. find did you find a lot of like interesting uh, overlaps and intersects with all these creatives? Energy like in yeah, the, place? the the energy is the same, right? It's almost like it's easier to get inspired from musicians and stuff mm-hmm. like that because you're like, I guess you don't. I don't know if you necessarily look at other artists and stuff like that as like competitive, but you know some of the secrets that they're playing. Yeah. Like when you hear like a symphony or the orchestra play or something like that, it's like, oh wow, like it really does feel like magic. You have no clue like how they're all in sync or how they're coordinating so well. Like what exactly is the conductor doing? Like you yeah. don't you don't know, but you know it's beautiful and there's it's amazing. a process to the madness, right? Because yeah. if you think about it, the difference I mean there's not much difference between music and mm. design and art, right? Like everybody yeah. has a process, a very iterative process, and some yeah. of the same almost design principles apply across music, across a lot of different functions. So it's pretty interesting to be inspired by people with different backgrounds. Yeah, it's that work ethic, man. Like yeah. that's the most inspiring thing for me is to see like those other students just like grinding it out, yeah. you know? Even at Art Center too, like I think what kind of gravitated me towards Art Center mm. was at first like, you know, I went to a lot of the other schools and I w- yeah. was not inspired just because mm. like the work didn't have that same kind of grit or like impact that I wanted it to have. But when I saw Art Center and saw how like tangible the work was, Okay, I was like, okay, this is somewhere. Explore on that a little bit. What, what, yeah. do, what do you mean by tangible compared to other places? Because I think we've talked about this yeah. before, you and I, but um, like the benefit of Art Center compared to some other design schools or art schools in general. For sure, for sure. Like, I think in many ways, like um, after creating art, like you really realize, oh, I want to have some sort of impact. I want to create something and 
for there to be some sort of like output, yeah. like input output mm-hmm. that you can play with. Like the ideas, like systems and stuff sure. like that, was really interesting for yeah, me. Yeah, they're really good yeah. at making commercial designers. They, because yeah. Art Center, for those of you that don't know, Art Center College of Design uh, yeah. in California. We very, also teach there, so <laughs> <if you do. laughs> very yeah. close, very close to the Hollywood industry, to the entertainment industry. So they they pump a lot of talent directly into these industries, and so therefore yeah. they create very commercial designers and very yeah. commercial artists. I would say, whereas other um, design schools. Sometimes focus a lot on the concept and that that side of the art, mm. and sometimes doesn't necessarily have uh, the value in the commercial world that that people are looking for in designers and things like that. So yeah, so yeah. you study graphic design and brand no. design at Art Center. Yeah, um, yeah, I I got some like illustration and stuff like that as well, and like even cinematography and photography. But I would say that like my big emphasis was always like business building and brand building. Yeah. Business and brand building, and yeah. so that led you after at graduation. So you, you, we were in art center for what? So we were classmates and roommates. Yeah. We worked on some projects together. We got to know yeah. each other quite quite deeply at art center. And it's, night it's owls that just yeah. crank through the night. Exactly. Um, <laughs> night warriors. <laughs> and I know that we had a lot of yeah. different interesting things going on throughout art center and after art center. What was your your choice after art center? So you were, you were presented. You come out of a design school like this. You have a giant gratro. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, the gratro is like basically at the end. And you show your portfolio to industry yeah. experts that walk in the hallways and just basically grill you on your work, yeah. um, or want to hire you. And that's a yeah. really good benefit of going to these design schools is all the connections you get to make and all people that walk through the hallways to see your work. Yeah. And so you were offered a few different jobs and a few different directions to take your career. For one sure. of them was being a full-time entrepreneur, yeah. starting your own company. Yeah. The other one was potentially going to Google and working for one of the biggest corporations in the world. Yeah. And then the other one was the consulting route for sure um, with BCG, BCG digital yeah. ventures and things like that so yeah, yeah three different very different options that would yeah, allow you to yeah. be a different creative in different ways right for so sure, for sure why did you pick the path you picked and what path was that mm. that was such a hard decision for me because uh, like the, with the startup and different things like that it wasn't like it was like really high risk like the startup was already getting legs like mm. we had investment you know, I would have had cash in the door. The startup was, uh, tell, tell us about this startup that you started. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, Wallet Art Center, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, was our Art Center uh, helped. I was a co-founder, uh, not the main founder, but the co-founder of uh, Rareform. With, uh, and it was a really, really cool brand. We took billboards and turned them into bags, sore throat bags, backpacks. Learned a lot. So like recycling yeah. billboards? and Recycling. Into, okay. I mean, like, Essentially, the reason why I didn't go with it was because it was at the end of the day, even though it was a do-good company and we were mm-hmm. upcycling and then the bags were pretty cool. You can check it out right now at rareform.com. But um, it was still soft goods, yeah. you know? And like I felt like there was like that magic that I felt kind of growing up and seeing technology wasn't necessarily in like backpacks and stuff like that. I see. There was yeah. too much like emphasis on, you know, uh, keeping the margin low. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah. at the end of the day, like I know that world very well. <laughs> yeah, the amount of labor that goes into backpack is quite quite a bit. So yeah. just to keep margins low, like material costs, oh, you know the deal. Yeah. yeah, I could, I could, I couldn't do it. And then it didn't allow you to be a design technologist, as you would like to call it. Or yeah, it exactly. Right? Okay. Like I wanted to build, and like I had this kind of like angst in me, like kind of coming from startup life and also freelancing so much. So I want to move fast. Yeah, and then that's where. Um, BCG Digital Ventures, which is kind of like a skunkworks division of DV, was interesting to me because for them, they went from idea to like inc- incubation to commercialization, taking that idea to market in like six months. 
it was wild. So yeah. big, big corporation, big companies or even small companies would come to you guys yeah. and be like, hey, we need to tackle this market. Yeah. Tell us who we need to be. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or e- even so, they would be like, hey, we're in this. This is our industry, right? We know we're dominating it. Like, uh, we feel good right now. Mm-hmm. We're the alpha. But we know that we're just as vulnerable, you know? And so essentially, instead of having a startup come out of somewhere mm-hmm. that's like VC-backed and owned by like another company that wants to take them out, essentially what they, they come to DV and say, hey, can you come up with some ideas to basically disrupt ourselves? Like, come up, let's come up with an idea together to create a new entity that we co-own with you, that you also have some equity mm-hmm. in, that disrupts our own core model. So if we do get disrupted in the future, it's by a venture that we own and we have some la- layer of control over. So like, it's kind of like, it's really cool. It's also like scary for like entrepreneurs of the future because you're competing with not just like startup type mindset, mm-hmm. but also startups with like the corporate resources and backing. Which is yeah. Tell tell us about that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing we're talking about multi million dollar projects to like reinvent and yeah. reinvigorate brands. Yeah, and huge like tackle, like, tackle markets fast, right? Because yeah. we're talking about six month project. That means you need to spend. You need to pump a lot of money to make fast impact. Yeah, yeah. Like so, what were some of the things you were building there? Oh man, like there, there's certain areas. It's kind of like a skunkworks like secret division. So there's some things I had to keep in the vault. Yeah. Uh, but hardware goods, software goods for the, the the biggest companies that you can imagine. Like you'd have to launch yeah. websites and new brand identities. Oh, and yeah, like entire companies. So <clears throat> essentially, like oftentimes I included like. Uh, finding a new office space, like get, like hiring people, yeah. like building out a real startup essentially within that time. I mean, the huge benefit too is that like we're in a startup environment right now, and then there's like an extra layer of stress because like, you know, well, is it this podcast? I think that's the extra layer of stress. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this podcast is fun. Like, this is like the easy stuff, right? It is. But oftentimes, like, we're having to talk about stuff that goes beyond necessarily like our expertise, where we have sure. to learn about. We have to look at financial graphs and budgets, and good yeah. thing we have some really smart people <laughs> yeah. around here to help us with this. But yeah. yes. Um, Essentially, they don't have to worry about that as much, yeah. right? The, the, a lot of the distribution channels are already set up. Mm-hmm. Like they have, if you need legal help, BCG has some of the best le- legal help in the world. So it's a really good way of like getting some rounds at the bat without any risk. Mm-hmm. So in that way, like I'm super, super grateful for like all the hard work and sleepless nights at, at BV. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some crazy hours. We we hear about the nightmares of the consulting world. Oh, I'm sure, sure. Like, to build They're all true. To build They're a whole yeah, to build a whole new brand and products and everything yeah. in six months. Either uh, you guys are the craziest systems that were like automating themselves and like really repeating a lot of different things, yeah. or you had like hundreds of people working overnight. <laughs> to be able I mean, to pull some of these up. I mean, honestly, like a lot of times, like you say, like yeah, we had like, this amazing method and like this incredible process, but at the end of the day. They are really good at like pushing people, mm. like to just really do things and solve problems that most people don't really feel like they have the energy or the incentives to do. Most <laughs> pressure makes diamonds, you know. Like yeah, that's yeah. That, <laughs> isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that what they say? Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of the design world. I mean, I bounce mm. around from industry to industry as well in, yeah. in that design world, and a lot of the highly competitive industries were usually the ones that were pushing the fastest and yeah. the, the most, right? Like yeah. that competition really 
unlocks things in creative sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do agree that collaboration also does. So for sure, for I sure. think I think we're working a startup now where collaboration is key. Right. There's no yeah. competition except for ourselves right now to be able to build this thing, and so we need to help each other and like lift each other. And so yeah, collaboration, collaboration process you can scale with that. Like yeah. it's sustainable. You know, like I'll, you can put I can push and push and push and you can push and push yeah. and push, but eventually, yeah. How's that collaboration yeah. process at, at like a consulting firm? Because like oh. you're working with these big companies, right? So you're working with internal teams. External mm. teams, like you guys are trying to build communications yeah. across these different channels. Like, what what goes down in this world? Oh man! So the, these are these are some of the we're gonna like touch base on a few of the pain points that essentially kind of led us to you know the software we're building today. But essentially, it's tough. It's so tough. Like, not only do you have like the DV team, right? But you're onboarding people into like this new concept of innovation, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then you have the client team kind of embedded in with you, yeah. right? And they have like their own incentives. And then you have and the sometimes D- their own innovation cycles and oh yeah, and yeah, stuff, right. So whole, they want to work whole, a certain way. Whole thing, yeah. yeah. And then they have their own process and everything. You have to kind of meld those all together. Um, you, like the stakeholders from their side, stakeholders from your side, it gets really messy really quickly. Yeah, you get sorry. insane amount of feedback. And on top of that, a lot of these companies have, um, like they're not just, they're not the only people reviewing it. They have like consultants co- consulting on consultants. <laughs> they're like just in case, yeah. like some, yeah. some backup safety stuff. Yeah, exactly. We have like a, another consultant that is oh, like God. watching how this consultancy group is working. It's a, it's a crazy mess. And essentially like within all that chaos, you hope to come up with something like a cohesive business that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the, the sad truth is that oftentimes, especially at the very beginning, like even at DV, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but they failed a lot. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's the new thing of entrepreneurship where failing is okay. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. Okay to say so that, right? like, I think it's cool. Like, please don't say me. But essentially, like, they failed a lot. And then essentially, and through those failures, they figured out processes. They, they were able to kind of create and uh, kind of nurture leaders within like the innovation realm, right? Yeah. Like this is how we run the process. And then there's also mm-hmm. a part two where like a bit of accountability and like governance mm-hmm. around it where they're like really quick to like, you know. Shut things down. Shut things down if yeah, things yeah, are going yeah. out. Hey, when you invest a lot of money, yeah, you pull yeah, the cord yeah. really fast <laughs> if things go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, like there's still chaos. Yeah. And I think that like that's something that, you know, we often hear from like our customers too, even some of the best ones in the world. Like, you know, I, we, I worked at some other agencies and like that in the past and there's always like a layer of chaos mm-hmm. essentially because there isn't a system established and then oftentimes you're kind of reinventing the process again from scratch Every because you, new project you restart from scratch even yeah because like, when, when you're in the project itself you don't have time to create like a scalable framework like you're mm-hmm. not thinking about like hey how would this process and like this methodology not just apply to this current customer and my current problem right now which is freaking me out emotionally, but all the other ones I want to do in like long term. Yeah. If I want to, mm. if I don't want to just do like s- three brands this year, but I want to be able to deliver on like 15, 20 brands as a brand builder this year. That? It's How like do, a factory of brand making yeah. at this point. How do you do that? Well, yeah. yeah with, with, it's like the successful agencies, like some of the bigger ones, I don't yeah. think even tackle 10 projects a year. They're like, yeah, they're like very focused on multi million dollar projects and they, yeah. they tackle a few at the same time that are really big. Yeah. But being able to produce 15 to 20 brands a year and crank them at that pace and that quality with all the touch points that you need to hit and like, 
yeah. including all the research and things. And I know, yeah. I know BCG has an army of people for sure that like really tackles a lot of different grounds. Oh, yeah, they yeah. hired a lot of people from Art Center that were doing either research or UX. For sure, UI, for and sure. Then they have like they have tons of strategists and things. You, so you'd be surprised, man. So like even within there though, like essentially the team is still like essentially like ten people. Yeah. Per project, mm-hmm. per venture, About. you know. Mm-hmm. And then I think like kind of like a soccer team, if you put more players on there, at a certain point, it's just going to be like Gets crazy. too many people on the field. Yeah. You can't even get the ball around. Even yeah. like you kind of losing a disadvantage, you know? Yeah. And um, what did you see in like, so, so you, you talked about, there's something you touched on. So yeah. this idea of like, there's these processes in place, but you realize a lot of it, you have to start from scratch. And this is one yeah, I think yeah, for, for you sure. that created some opportunities for, for innovation and... So th- there's different types of innovation yeah, that you can yeah, go out there with yeah, products. And one yeah. of them is if you're an expert in a field, you notice something that's going wrong and you try to do something about yeah. it. So how were you equipped to be able to like tackle some of these solutions? Yeah. So one, one of the unique things I have, I have like that code background, right? Mm-hmm. And then design. And then because I was in the startup world, I had the, some of the business background. So I was able to connect a lot of the dots and realize that like, holy crap, like 90% of what we do is like the same. Yeah. Like you can automate a lot of this stuff. Mm. Like, okay, you might not need this module and you might need this module for this client, mm-hmm. but you can create a s- systematic um, series of modules, which is very common actually in engineering. Mm-hmm. Like design systems are very common, yeah. but it doesn't really apply that well into brand platforms. They're starting to like, the discussion is starting to happen with like design tokens and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but it's still very shallow and it's, and it's the way that they're thinking about it is for like these large corporate teams with like 600 people, yeah. like huge product teams. It's the biggest yeah. issue, like consistency, basically keeping brand consistency across multiple channels, across yeah. all these things. Yeah, exactly. The so you're building a brand, issue. let's say you rebuild yeah. a brand, you create all these logos, all these assets, and then you hand them off to your client and you're like, yo, you guys now got to execute on all of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and good make luck. Sure they're pushing across <laughs> your hundreds of yeah. touch points that you have out there. Yeah. Uh, s- potential thousand of touch points that we've, we've talked about from some clients. Yeah. And it, it, the tripling every year, right? Yeah. Like these touch points, like new devices, new platforms. Like if you think you have a problem today, wait three, wait, wait a year, and you got three extra problems. Yeah. yeah, and so to just deal with that, you know, we created a system essentially, and this, this system allows us to not only create brands quickly, but also repurpose some of the. Um, like if we do create as a team a system mm-hmm. to tackle restaurants sure. or uh, yeah. musicians or different things like that. Because you, you said ninety percent of brands are similar. What is that ten percent that's different? Yeah, what so like kind of like human DNA. You know how like technically we share majority of our mm-hmm. DNA. It was like ninety eight percent or something like that. Fact check me, but let's just say the majority of your DNA is very much similar. There's a small piece of that that differentiates us, whether it's like the values. Um, or we call it like brand DNA, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And then so what we focus on like right now is that we we spent instead of like trying to reinvent the wheel every single time from head to toe, like creating a new human every single time, we focus on that differentiator yeah. and figure out okay, how do we position this person to be unique, to be valuable, to be of service, and to communicate clearly? And then from there, we essentially have all the ingredients that we need to execute on the recipe mm-hmm. of what creates a good brand experience for these different platforms. Like how do we take those ingredients and then distribute it well. So you create yeah. you, you you find that ten percent brand DNA, you yeah. take that, you extract it, you turn that into what that 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 DNA basically gets their positioning and their what they should feel like and look like and sound like. Yeah. And then eventually you create all the assets and everything that goes into it. Once we have that like then it gets easy. Yeah. Then the automation gets really easy, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, like the, the the toughest part when you start to first interact with the designer is just making sure that you have alignment. And like they know what you're trying to do. Yeah. 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 And like even who you are and who you want to be. Yeah. Mm, super interesting. 
Yeah. Well, I think um, we have a few segments planned for the, the future of the show, but for today, I think <laughs> we wanted to do a small short interview with All you. All right, yeah. Next week, we'll probably talk about me, unfortunately. I, I can't wait, man. Uh, I got so many questions. It's going to be fun. And yeah. then, um, yeah, next, I think, so we are talking about brand positioning and how brands can differentiate each other based yeah. on their DNA, and I think our next segment is perfect to tangent into it. So, Love it, Brand Royale coming up. All right, everybody, Brand Royale. This is where we basically dissect two opposite blend, uh, brands Ooh. that are trying to tackle similar problems Why or similar market. Side? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> A total accident, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tesla was just lucid. Obviously, we know those are two very different companies trying to tackle very different. I mean, similar problems, but differently, right? Um, Tesla heavily focused on performance and technology, I would say. And Lucid, very more focused on luxury and lifestyle. I think they're trying to sell you this idea that with their cars, you can live a more fulfilled, relaxed life. With your fancy watch, you know, and your your leather briefcase. And and all these good things. So it's obviously a pretty crazy um, industry, especially now with the EV market is is heating up quite a bit. Um, But we can see that Lucid is holding an interesting territory where Tesla is starting to compete with companies like Polestar and Porsche yeah. and all these all these guys in that in that area um, and then we have people like Rivian for example building trucks for a specific lifestyle they're just selling you on like this outdoors life with your very electric specific. vehicle very specific yeah. and Volkswagen a bit the same with their Volkswagen bus electric that they're trying to make um, when we say really Volkswagen are we talking parent so does that include like uh, no, because I separated Porsche. So yeah. I would say Volkswagen themselves are making a lot of okay. electric vehicles. I think um, the other companies within the Volkswagen yeah, umbrella and stuff are, like that. I almost yeah. got the Golfie. Yeah. Oh, the Golfie, yeah. Uh, but Volkswagen is is after Tesla the biggest producer of electric vehicles. So it's as, as a as a conglomerate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today we basically want to see and explain and talk over why. You know, Lucid and Tesla have very different brands and brand identity mm. and tone of voice and yeah. all these good things and. We're going to be able to like hopefully walk through a little bit why we think this is and kind of what differentiates these two um, these two different car makers. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm excited. All right, Lucid versus Tesla. Let's start looking at their brand and analyze this a little bit. So this is a tricky one for me because like I I love uh, Tesla as a brand story, uh, but sometimes like I wouldn't necessarily say that like that was my vibe. It's almost too techie looking. Mm. Uh, uh, I drive a Tesla though, so it's like <laughs> I, I bought Bias into the, I bought into the story. Um, um, but the the lucid in a way, like aesthetically, like I'm really into walnut, the dark black, like the more uh, aesthetically that does fit my brand a bit better. But I can see how Tesla um, kind of hits their market. Like if if you're trying to be like a new EV company and performance is like a concern of people, like switching over, like they definitely say, "Hey, we're coming in with pure power." <laughs> and they, th- that's what's yeah, that's what for uh, me. And we're gonna take a look at their website and a little bit of their um, you know digital presence and some of their their products as well. And, and this is where the stories really differentiate each other. Obviously, Tesla is is you know David versus Goliath here. Like Tesla is, is has been around for a while. They have yeah. a huge backing, huge market cap, Absolutely. tons of money and resources to build the vehicles they're building. But in terms of the brand, it's true that their brand is very like 
very techy and mm. very cold a little bit, yeah. and I think robotic. And yeah. I mean, coming from Elon Musk and some of the the, mm. the things that we know about him, it, it makes sense. I think for yeah. them. Yeah. And I think going for that, I think at the time, especially when it came out, being able to target those early consumers, right, and being mm. able to go after techies because they knew that's what the target audience yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, remove <clears> all the interior buttons with giant screens, and so yeah. it, it made a lot of sense. And I think their brand is still living that life. I wonder when they're going to think about potentially upgrading their brand. Uh, whereas Lucid, newcomer from California, inspired by California and nature, yeah. and they really want to push this idea of like sustainable electricity and luxury. Mm. And so they're really pushing for like these natural sustainable materials and these beautiful like earth stones and like these serif fonts and all these things. And so I think when you start looking at like, for example, their digital presence, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into their websites a little bit, mm. but that becomes pretty clear, right? So for example, we look at... It's a quick question. Is Lucid... Do they have a backing? Are they? Yeah, so they're backed by a Saudi Arabian investment fund, mm. um, and they've also they also um, <laughs> that's their market for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they also IPO, so yeah. they, they got quite a bit of like market cap out of it, and they got mm. a lot of money out of okay. it. So yeah, yeah. They, they've been sense. they've been doing okay, yeah. even though they've only, I think they've only delivered like a, a handful of vehicles. So oh far. yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's the whole new. Tech life, right? And it was also like very, it was like only friends and family. 20, yeah, it was 20 like close, like personal yeah. beta testers, basically, I would say. And then I think after that, now they're gonna, they're opening up the production line and they're like trying to deliver yeah. more on their fulfillment because mm. they have a lot of reservations. But, yeah. but yeah, you can see, I think one thing about Tesla is that they're being super smart about what they want you to do when it comes to their digital presence and their website. It's basically come here and shop. Yeah, it's like a it's a beautiful squeeze page. They know exactly what funnel that they're gonna put you under. That's um, it. Yeah, what product do you want? Cool, buy it. Like, <laughs> like you don't need to know about me. You don't need to know about Elon Musk. You probably already do. Uh, we know that you're here to to either to consider bu- purchasing a vehicle, probably, or getting those solar walls. Beautiful site though. It's clean. Like it's it's you kind of it kind of reminds you of like you know Apple ish in yeah, a way. I agree. Like. Uh, even the way they like talk about their statistics and stuff like that, it's just incredibly clean. If like Apple were Apple were to enter the car industry, you know they would do something along those lines, which was why I was kind of sad when I you know when Apple never did purchase Tesla. I thought that might happen. I think they'll build their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they'll be okay building their own. So let, yeah, let's, yeah. let's just do a quick side by side with with uh, Lucid here. For sure. For so sure. all of a sudden the tone changes and it feels a bit more business, a bit more serious, but yeah. still like very luxurious mm. so we're starting with this like beautiful maroon color car like yep. driving around these california roads um and a bit more i would say yeah l- away from the tech and a bit more mature and a bit yeah. more like almost serious a little bit um well their type their type choice is like a good like indicator what they care about because like it's a little bit harder to read but it has an elegance of it that you can appreciate too so it's less functional but you know experience wise there's this even that nice scroll effect with the, yeah, the text yeah. coming through. The parallax here is it's, really it's the, nice. It's the subtle things, um, and that's luxury, right? Yeah. And I think if you look at if you look at some of the big brands, like whether you Louis Vuitton, it's all about the details, and I think that's yeah. what they do really well. Like all these these little these little interactions. Their configurator is one of the best in the game um, with the 3D full on 3D um, 3D configurator. It's it's really beautiful. Um, Obviously, they have their background uh, here, yeah. San Francisco, but just oh, like, that's cool. They have the background in there. <laughs> yeah, and you can change the background, so yeah, I can put it at the beach. 
<laughs> and take a look at what my imaginary car would look like at the beach, for example. Yeah. Um, pretty beautiful. It's a it, really good way to like buy into a product that you're not, you're not going to look at, right? Or you're not going to own. It, it is cool, but like I think like like if we were to look at this just from a pure efficiency standpoint, if you wanted to to get people through that checkout process as fast as possible, I mean Tesla owns it, right? Tesla owns for sure. Like they, they, you know they, where they to click, it. you know what the next step is, That's you it. know what your options are, you know, and you get it done. You're not getting distracted by anything. So this is where it's like yeah. story over efficiency. I think because Tesla is already established, people know their story and they know what they stand for. So they go there and they know what they need to do. Yeah. Whereas Lucid being a new company, they need to be able to sell you that story. They need to be able to sell you into who the they dream. are. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What do you buy into <laughs> when you buy this? Because yeah. you're, you're like buying into a personality basically. And so what personality do you fit in? And I think they do a really good job at that because when you look at the way they build their brand, so this is what's done by their agency, Tolson. Mm. Um, they have a small article about how they designed their brand, but really kind of, they really lean into this lifestyle idea of this is not tech. We're taking a futuristic approach that's very different oof, from Tesla's, oof. and we try to stand out. <laughs> and I think there's like there's a lot of beauty that has been done, a lot of refinement that has been done that I don't think Tesla has yet in their branding. So like yeah. looking at even the, the letter form and the way it goes from thick to thin, just like in car design, all of these little things. Um, I, I, I do like their logo better. I would have to say, yeah, yeah, it's pretty well done. Even the air logo is quite dynamic. Um, yeah. Describes their car pretty well. Actually, once you start breaking down the lines, we'll get into the product very soon. I would say that they don't have a mark, so they, they only have only a logo L. type. It's only the, the L. L. The L to it. me is a little like it's, ah. it's not. It's not like, iconic. That's not iconic agree. at all. The, You're uh, not going to recognize that L anywhere. The Tesla toothpick or whatever you want to call it, uh, it looks looks a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's more well, iconic. You know, it's the Tesla coil. Yeah, yeah the Tesla coil. Yeah, section, yeah but that's yeah. even a stretch for me because it's like a piece of it and stuff yeah. like that. It's like me taking a piece of a toothbrush and being like, oh, the Brussels represents. And it doesn't work with the other mark that they have. They're like very different. The the icon is quite different from their. From mm. their actual word mark, so yeah, that's also another thing that we 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 noticed. Um, yeah. Let's take a look at, um, for example, how do they like present themselves online? We look at, for example, Facebook, uh, Tesla. That's not on Facebook, by the way, because Elon Musk hates <laughs> Facebook, so he pulled everything out of Facebook. But they're on Instagram. Uh, yeah, how funny, is Lucid on enough. active on Facebook? Yes, Lucid is out there, and Lucid is super I mean, but consistent. Like, this must be pretty low engagement, though, right? Like Facebook, how much? Yeah, five hundred and ten uh, shares. Ninety five thousand people. Yeah, ninety five thousand like, people here. It's not bad. Okay, not bad. But then you look at obviously Lucid Motors newer. Um, yeah. They 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 don't have the cult following I would say that Tesla does. But I think that's <laughs> sure. yeah. that's one of the conversation we'll probably get into yeah. about their CEO and what the power of a CEO has for yeah. a brand. And I think mm. I think Elon Musk holds a lot of power. So when you go to Tesla. You can tell a lot of the nine point something million, thirteen million followers on 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 Twitter. Um, mm. They have a huge cult following. They built they build that through hype, and I think that's a bit of the difference with um, with a company like Lucid. Eventually, yeah. hopefully, that's what th- they'll get into making. Maybe spending less money on their marketing and being able to. Sure. You're a newcomer in the market. You have yeah. to spend a lot of money on marketing. Tesla managed to get to where they zero. are. Zero dollar yeah. marketing, and all they did was invest in R and D. Wait, do, do we know that for sure? How much money? Does I think we Lucid did some research. Yeah, um, we did some yeah. research and. I, think I, I, could, recently, I could see um, that though. I could see Elon Musk being like, that logo is great. Like, let's keep moving. Like, we oh. have to hit these deadlines. And Lucid being more like, oh, let's engage the best agencies. Yeah. Let's have a design review process. Yeah. Let's, and marketing too. Yeah. Like, they don't spend money on, on ads and stuff. What they do mm-hmm. is they throw events like keynotes, like Apple, and they present new yeah, products and yeah. they unveil a cyber truck and they unveil, yeah. they unveil like an uh, electric sports coupe. And, and then yeah. people just talk about it. People you get a little crazy. ATV. Yeah, you get an ATV. And yeah. all of a sudden, people are like, okay, you make a flamethrower for a boring company. And for all of a sudden, sure, like, sure. 
there's all these things that I connect back to this Tesla environment and ecosystem. Um, Do you think it's better to kind of like so with Tesla, right, or even Lucid? They Lucid talked about their vehicle how many years before? Like a long time before. 2012, I think, is yeah. when they first talked about it. But that was a different hey, company. That 10 was a years? different company. It was a different company at the time. But same same founder? Uh, same? No, because the new CEO oh, okay. and stuff are different. So okay. I think they kind of like got bought off and like rechanged a bit oh, their wow. branding and okay. they rebranded <clears throat> and then they reattacked. Yeah. But like we've been looking at that Lucid vehicle for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And then like even like Cybertruck, Roadster, and stuff like that. Do you think it's better to kind of tease products out like that in the automotive space or like hold back? Like Apple's. Like whole thing is like we don't show you anything yeah. until like launch day and you get super I excited th- about I, launch I think day. Tesla does it so they can get money in the bank. Reservations, yeah. they have to. They it's just get reservations, expensive. they raise the hype and their their valuation in a way and then they can uh, yeah, invest yeah. In, in, in more stuff. Like, I mean, that's what they do. They've sense. delayed pretty much Other, Otherwise, car. you can't pay for the factory. Every car they've pre-sold, they've delayed. So. Yeah, yeah. And Lucid is on that train too. They sold their car before they had it and now yeah. they're they're basically trying to fill up orders yeah. and stuff. But let's... Um, yeah, let's keep it going. Let's, let's, keep look going. At, let's look at the, the actual product design because brands are not just digital, they're not just word marks and Colors, they're how yeah. you translate the vibe and the identity that you have in your in your website, in your brand, in your type, and yeah. this needs to be translated into physical products. And this is what um, Lucid and Tesla do because their main offering to public is a product. And so let's take a look at how this translates into it. Um, Right away, you can look at the difference of the Tesla and the Lucid. It feels like one of them is selling you a Stormtrooper performance car. Yeah, The yeah. other one is selling you a nice, like, hey, sit by my mid-century modern house in Palm <laughs> Springs and come and relax and just hang out in this lounge. Yeah. What, what do you think? What's your let's, feeling let's on this? Let's talk about whiskey flavors. Yeah. No, I, yeah. you know, there's a, I would say, for me, it's exactly that. Uh, to be honest with you, the, the Model S has never been like aesthetically one of my favorite cars. It has like a, even the tail end for me is a little bit off. I don't mind the front of it as much, but even for me, like I actually like the Model 3 look. Yeah, it, I, it feels less heavy, I think. It's yeah, a smaller of a car. Yeah, it, it has more like, you know, Porsche characteristics, especially with the grill and stuff like that. I don't know what that slit is like necessary for. That's um, a performance package, I think. Yeah, but so. like the interior, like if I had to, it, like the almost uh, how different having like the stoke wheel yeah. and those different elements kind of get me excited. But at the same time, if I'm just thinking about like, oh, as a designer, like pure aesthetics, like what do I gravitate towards? I actually prefer the left. For me, which one tells the story the best? If we're talking about like they build a brand story and they're trying yeah. to get that story to be conveyed through a product. Yeah. I do think... Aside from the interior, so let's look at the exterior first. I think the exterior of the of of the Lucid definitely sells you more of that dream, that lounger, touring, luxury vehicle. Yeah, yeah um, for Tesla sure. is pushing performance. Obviously, yeah. you have Ludacris and Plaid and like all that stuff, right? Yeah. And so they go crazy on performance, and you can see it even in the steering wheel as becoming like almost like a Formula One steering wheel, and everything is disappearing. Um, so, yeah. so they're they're doing a lot more of that, and I think I, I, we did pick a color and trim uh, here that's a little bit more. Yeah, um, I was like, we could have chose like a same it, it could have been a bit trim. more, but these like are the ones. That Tesla are pushing hardcore on, right? That's it, what they're trying sense. to sell you on their website. They're selling you this yeah. right away. It feels so, different. It feels different. Like left, yeah. you could like you could see that coming out of VW. Like realistically, if VW came out I mean, and it was like, ex, hey, there's a lot of ex VW designers. There. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> You'd be like, oh yeah, I could see that coming out of like a big automotive because it's yeah. got like that refinement to it. I think three or four of their main designers were, ah, came came yeah. at some point from VW. So. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think I think also the Model S is a lot older, so there's a lot more time to refine and yeah. design this new Lucid. But there's a few things that I think work, and and f- for those of you that are looking for key things to look at when you're looking at designs like this, this idea of like when you're looking at a luxury vehicle, the idea of presence, like how much room you take on the road, how mm. big your car looks, mm. how imposing does it look? Yeah, that's huge. And I think like using these really thin vertical uh, horizontal lines across the car makes the car look long and wide. wide. Yeah, yeah, and so you look at the front end of this Lucid, and you see this long bar. That goes across your eyes like oh man this car looks super wide and then when you look at it from side view this headlight cuts into the side body line into the tail light across. and so it yeah. creates this whole loop around the car and then you have this floating canopy roof that sits over like this giant cabin so the cabin on this car is actually much bigger than the Teslas mm. they have like the, the front windshield is actually further forward and so it looks less like a traditional car it's got a really short nose so it gives you a lot of room on the inside and that's what they sell they sell like you're inside this luxury vessel. Their idea was like a yeah. private jet almost. And so that the backseat is like jet. where you want to be almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The backseat yeah. on the original one like leans back. I think on the on the air touring, they fold back almost like Mercedes too. You can like mm. lean back and like. Oh see. yeah, I've seen some of those yeah. videos. So pretty yeah. cool. All right. I remember it like initially Lucid had different looking backseats though, right? Slightly, like, they were way more. They conceptual. were way yeah, more yeah. conceptual. Yeah. They looked they, like floating. They things. looked like bucket seats and okay, stuff. Yeah, because okay. yeah, this cool. looks pretty conventional to me. Yeah, yeah. But even I think I think one thing Lucid does well, and if you look on their website, is the color and trim. So the CMF yeah, is that, like that they, is clean. They pick really well refined colors, really well roughened pilots, um, materials. Even the all shape of the headrest and stuff like that has yeah. a certain elegance and like weight and yeah. base to it. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think they drove that all the way down to the small details, and and I think that's why this car became pretty successful. It's a pretty simple car and, and design for for uh, the industry. What, what today. do you think about those uh, iPhone rims? The iPhone rims. Oh. Yeah, am I giving you PTSD on for these? the Bugatti rims? Oh, uh, the Bugatti rims are an iPhone. <laughs> so no, it's not that bad. This one, this one doesn't bother me too much. It has motion. I think when it's moving, yeah. it's like it looks like it's moving, even though it's still. Let's yeah. look at the last last small piece that we wanted to look at for oh, these guys. Oh man, dude, that's rough. Another physical presence. You can't, you can't do that to Tesla. I mean, dude, I, I googled I googled Tesla showrooms and stores, and honestly, all the images were pretty much this, and those are some of the better ones. Okay. But I think I think yeah. this drives the point even more, even though it's, it's pretty yeah, drastic. Yeah. It drives the point even sure. more that Lucid is selling this lifestyle. You're going to not a yeah. mall to buy a car or to a dealership and you're going to these showrooms where you can sit down and it almost looks like they're going to give you a cigar and some whiskey and you can like yeah. kind of buy your Lucid and like you have all, they hired architecture firms to help them design the interior of their things all these natural woods and natural colors. Mm. So they're really like one thing I appreciate about what they've done in that effort as they hit the market is that they were very consistent across their yeah. brand identity from the visual from the logo from they, the they colors from the typography yeah. to their website to their you can you can go through the whole Lucid experience and I feel yeah. like you feel like in the same home mm-hmm. and Tesla I think is going to get there probably their, their stores were very successful they disrupted how cars were being sold all yeah. around the world they're not pretty though by putting cars they in malls but they were all about function they were like hey come touch our shirts and all our color palettes and all our wheels and like they, yeah. they put everything in the showroom and they were just yeah. like so it, it, it's a bit of different different language but I think it's interesting to see the two and I know these are maybe rough images for Tesla but I couldn't really find better ones I, for, it's interesting for that like uh, when, I, when I picked up my car it wasn't even a showroom it was just literally a garage and then so like their budgets must be so slim on these deal, like these retail experiences or dealerships. I mean, you're you're I, you're buying space in malls, so nowadays, yeah. like that's probably the cheapest retail space you can get. Right? Super cheap. <laughs> and like, if you look at what's in, like, if you told me, show you had to set up the left side, I'd be like, okay, give me two mil. If you told me to set up the right side and you're going to provide the vehicle, I mean, 
what two hundred thousand dollars setup right there? Yeah, <laughs> for the big stuff. Yeah, yeah, like paint the walls, like get that screen in there. But that is the cheapest setup that you can imagine. So they're really investing. I think Lucid is really investing in the image because they yeah. don't have the rest of the clout they that comes to. with being Tesla, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you have to overspend to be yeah. able to like beat them at that game. This is a marketing play or a marketing move for, for them. sure. For the, sure, the retail shop for Tesla is less of a marketing move. They already know they have diehard fans coming in. And the past couple yeah. of years, Lucia has built over like 40 showrooms and like... Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's like, pretty crazy. Honestly, yeah. that's that's my aesthetic, the black and the wood. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're definitely selling <laughs> if you. If you ever right. want to buy me furniture, like give me a little walnut and some black. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, to close it yeah. off, in two years, if you could own either one, I know you already have a Tesla Model oh, 3, man. but let, let, let's go. Model, uh, would you go Model S? Would you go... Oh, let's, let's buy into the brand, Tesla or Lucia. Yeah. What, what do you think? What are your pros and cons? Uh... Okay, from like the d- design, the visual identity perspective, like it's it's hard for like yeah. it's, I actually like Lucid better, um, but I, I also like I probably aspire to be more of like the Lucid target audience. Uh, so aspiration is it's kind of like aspirational. Yeah. Interesting. But that being said, like I would always go with the Tesla just because of their their software and their. I'd rather be more innovative than like refined. Hmm. If that makes sense, Interesting. I'm I'm willing to make the, <clears throat> I, I'm willing to sacrifice and go with. Isn't that uh, funny? I feel like they're two different. Almost like the lifestyle they're selling, the life, the the pace of life. It's yeah, like lucid is like, hey, you made it, slow You're down. You're steady, yeah. You like, made it, slow yeah. down, enjoy the ride. Whereas yeah. Tesla is like, Have yo, you made yeah. it. Let's punch the gas and get <laughs> yeah. to uh, my office really quickly so I can get more work done and make more money. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's get to Mars. Like it's not enough. Yeah, like exactly. I don't want to go fast. I want to go ludicrous. No, I don't want to go ludicrous anymore. I want to go. What is it like the next, 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 next? Yeah, yeah. ludicrous plus, yeah. and then. <laughs> well, I think this is a fun little format. I think we can do more of these yeah, in the future. We yeah. already have ideas this, of this other is, things we can do. But hey, we'd yeah. love to hear your opinion. Um, yeah. Are you a Lucid or Tesla fan? Tell us why. And let us know what other brands we'd like to, you know, we could review on the show. Let us know. We, uh, we're, we're open for uh, for suggestions. So yeah, this is the first episode of The Art of Branding. Not bad. I enjoyed it, it man. It was good. Yeah, it, it was, was good. good. Yeah. I can't wait to do the next one. Yeah. I, and then, what, uh, what brands should we do next week? You'll never know. Oh my God. I don't know. So we There's could do software. Be, um, we could do industries we can do hubspot versus salesforce Ooh. oh you want to go into crms and stuff oh my god <laughs> I don't know. that might be a bit boring, <laughs> a bit boring. Oh, i don't know <laughs> apple anyway. versus intel m1 yeah. versus intel there's a lot of really cool brands out there let us know yeah. so we'll get to it but hey thank you everybody thanks for everyone that's helped us put this show together over the past few weeks it's been a crazy kind of undertaking trying to get this going so uh, yeah thanks everybody for the support and uh we'll be back next week 